Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn to the book of 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. That first chapter. Hallelujah. The Lord good. Amen. Praise the Lord. Second Thessalonians chapter number one, beginning with verse two, and we'll probably preach about three messages from this first chapter of Second Thessalonians. Verse two says, Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. We want to talk about encouragements for the saints. In this first part will be the encouragement of praise. A little bit of a background for this letter. The Apostle Paul, much like his first letter to the Thessalonians, He's writing to encourage some persecuted believers and to correct some misunderstandings concerning the Lord's return. The saints were experiencing persecutions on the outside and they had some turmoil and problems on the inside. And Paul writes to encourage the suffering. They were suffering under Rome. They were suffering under the false religions and the society that was anti-God. But also to enlighten the confused. Because what had happened is nothing much has changed through the years, but they had a letter that um, had come to them that supposedly was from the Apostle Paul. And it wasn't. But this letter said that the day of the Lord had already taken place and they thought they had missed the rapture and they, they thought they were in the midst of the tribulation. And so um, there was some confusion and there was some fear. And uh, again, even back then, fake news and um, you know false reporting and deceptive journaling. Nothing's changed, has it? Folks, I want to tell you something. A lot less with your Facebook, a lot less with that nonsense. Get back to the Bible. Love your Bible. Know your Bible. Walk in your Bible. Amen? If you, this, I'm not on the notes and my wife's not here to give me the look. So I'm going to tell you something. If you spend more time on the Facebook and no time on the Word of God, shame on you. There's a reason you don't grow. There's a reason you don't get victory. Come on, say amen. You can't feed on the garbage of this world and the nonsense around you and neglect the pure bread of God and expect to be strong. Say amen, say ouch, but say it's right. I even get to my second line. I'm just telling you. Enough is enough. We're the people of God. We should be smarter than this world. We should, our taste buds all be different than this world. Amen. Come on. It's time to get in love with Jesus again. Try to get an appetite for that which is pure and precious and holy and everlasting. Making excuses for lame walks and sorry. Oh, come on. Say amen. God's looking for a people that are on fire. God's looking for a people that say enough is enough. I want the real thing, and I'm going to give Jesus my very best. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hey, hey. So in response to all that this precious group of believers are going through, Paul writes to encourage and instruct his struggling friends. And in this first chapter, he gives the believers three encouragements 
that we can claim for ourselves today. That's the beauty of the Bible. We don't read it because we want a history lesson. Many of us love history. I love history. I could take the class forever. Amen. I could have got 20 PhD. I love history. But we don't read the Bible for history. We read the Bible because it's God's Word to man. And it's a relevant book. It's a right now book. The lessons of yesterday we apply to our lives today. It teaches us the will and the ways of the Almighty God and how we can walk in a way that pleases Him and overcomes the world. And we can be more than conquerors. He's given us a book. Let's cherish it. Let's honor it. And let's use it. Can you say amen? The designer of the heavens and the earth, the Creator, has given you and I a book. Isn't that wonderful? We don't got to get in some kind of aesthetic state and get some kind of revelation. We don't got to get weird and funky. Or, you know, I heard a voice. Nonsense. He's given you and I a book so we can know Him and know what He loves and know how He wants us to live and know the promises we can claim and know the um, beautiful privileges that He's given us. Oh, Lord. And we can claim these promises today and I want you to claim them. We're going to look at the first one this morning. And number one is the encouragement of praise. The encouragement of praise. They were going through it, but Paul's reminding them, listen, God's still pleased with you. Because when you go through it, sometimes you can begin to doubt, God, what did I do wrong? Anybody? Just me. Lord, where did I zig when I should have zagged? Isn't that right? But Paul's trying to encourage them. And after that short greeting, and you love his greeting, grace and peace to you. Did you come for a word? God's got one. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. After a short greeting, Paul launched into a statement of praise to God for what he had been accomplishing in the lives of these young believers. He was thanking God and he was applauding the church of God for the progress that he so visibly saw. And I thank God this morning that there are many here today, there's been some beautiful progress in your life and in the life of your family over these last few years. You've grown and you've advanced and you can look back and say, man, God has been good. God has worked in our lives. And so we give praise for you. And I give God praise when I see His people growing and I see families getting stronger. You've come a long way. Keep it up. God's got even more for you. Amen? I want you to note four things. That motivated Paul to praise God and, and to encourage the people with things that you and I should be striving for. Things that you and I should have as a goal. Number one, we're going to look this morning. Paul is giving them praise and giving God praise because their faith was growing. They were in a very hard climate. It wasn't an easy place to serve God, but they weren't just hanging on. They're actually growing and increasing. Paul says, man, I've I got to applaud you. It wasn't easy what you've been through. It's not easy in the house you've got to live in. But you keep serving and you keep showing up. Their faith was growing and their love was abounding. That's a beautiful thing. You know, when things get tough, people tend to revert to type. When things get tough, we can tend to get selfish. And, but they love. In the midst of all that, they kept loving one another. They kept looking after one another. They kept forgiving one another. They kept supporting one another. Number three, their perseverance was increasing. Under all that strain and stress, they weren't wearing out. They were digging in and they were pressing on. And they found a new strength in God. And I'm here today to tell you, God has new measures of strength for you, dear one. You might be going through it. If hell throws you an eight, God's got a nine measure of grace. Whatever you are going through, as you look to Jesus, He'll give you a greater measure of strength. You're going to make it. You're going to prevail over it. If God before you, who can be against you? 
And then fourthly, their witness or their testimony was expanding and helping others. I love it. Hell trying to knock them out. The devil's a dummy. I mean, hell's trying to knock them out. And not only are they growing, but with the hell meant for evil, it's not just blessing them, it's blessing all the other churches that are hearing the testimony of how they're standing strong and how they're going on. Man, let your life be a testimony. Amen? Uh, whatever you're going through, see it as an opportunity to show the world around you the God I serve is real. So number one, their faith was growing. You see that in verse 3? He says it very easily. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so. Because your faith is growing more and more. Their faith. Praise God, it wasn't withering. It wasn't fainting or getting frustrated. It wasn't floundering. It was growing. The Apostle Paul praised God most of all, but their faith was growing more and more. In the Greek, it greatly enlarged. It was beyond expectation. Paul says this is beyond the natural order of things. This shouldn't be happening in any normal sense of the way. What is going on in your life is something special and something divine. It's something to be applauded. Your faith is growing beyond what anyone would expect. And again, it's interesting. Paul, he's most grateful not because of their big buildings or their impressive budgets or their cool you know, sideshows, but because their faith in the Lord Jesus was staying strong and growing even when things were hard. Listen, friend, and listen good. Your faith in Jesus is the most valuable thing you have. You can lose your health, don't lose your faith. You can lose a friend, but don't lose your faith. You can go through a finance, but don't lose your faith. Your faith in Jesus the most valuable thing you have. So guard it, feed it, but beyond all things, use it. Use that faith. It pleases the heart of your Father and your God. And it will bring you through the trials of life. Your faith will bring you through. So keep trusting and keep leaning on Him in spite of all that they were facing. And again, we get the context. Understanding the condition of what's happening here makes everything even more impressive and more inspirational. In spite of all they were facing, their faith was growing, their faith was spreading. And Paul just couldn't help himself for praising God and applauding the church of God. For they were deserving of it. And I want someone to know many of you are deserving to be applauded for the faith that you've exhibited in the last few years. I know many of you have gone through family struggles, there's been loss, there's been heartache. You've gone through financial or physical battles and things have been heavy and things haven't always been easy. There's been strains here and there's been attacks there. But you've stayed strong and you haven't given up. you kept coming and you've kept trusting and the Lord is pleased and the Lord says, keep it up, my child, just keep it up because I'm not going to fail you and I'm going to bring you through like I've done in the past. My Word will prove true to you and I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. Somebody, God's going to bring you through. I know every battle's hard, but you can look back and see a, a lifetime of the goodness and mercy of the Lord. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Oh my God, it's running and after me because I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Because I'm a child of God. Not because I'm something in myself, but because I belong to Jesus. Uh, I'm not running after them. Mercy, good, it follows me. 
and it's following you. And God says, you just keep trusting me and you just keep leaning on me. And like I came through in the past, I'm going to come through again. I know you've gone through other dark nights. Well, the same God that brought you through that is going to bring you through this one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on understanding, but acknowledge Him and He'll direct you and He'll enable you. And Jesus is going to bring you through. Can you say amen? Tell your neighbor, Jesus will bring you through. I'm telling you, Jesus will. Jesus will. Men might fail. You parents might disappoint you. But Jesus will bring you through. This world you can't trust. This society is fickle. But Jesus is faithful. Jesus is loving. And Jesus will bring you through. Hallelujah. Glory. I can't trust myself, but I can trust Him. Come on, say Amen. The prophet said, man, that heart's deceptive. I even trick myself sometimes. Amen? You know what I mean? You ever do something, and all of a sudden the Lord slaps you. Boom. Yeah, right. I know. I do. I, I, I've been trying to justify that. I, my motive stunk. I mean, we can't even trust ourselves sometimes. But you can always trust the Lord. Oh, Jesus is wonderful. That's why you got to be sold out for Jesus. Knock off every excuse that hell would try to give you from living lukewarm and make up your mind, I'm going wholehearted for the Lord. I don't care what my father did. If he wants to go to hell, let he go to hell. I'll come on say amen. I'm turning it up a notch. I'm trying to get someone saved. I'm trying to get someone real about this. You're not going to heaven because grandma was a member of Pleasant Grove. You're going because you love the Lord and you're serving the Lord personally and passionately. So I call on you today. Make up your mind. Jesus, I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to give you my all. No more excuses. No more complacency. Jesus, I make a fresh surrender. And I promise to give you my all for this day forward. Come on, say amen. So every now and again, one or two sneak in. Every now and again, see, I know I could teach. We could teach Greek and Hebrew. I'll give you a nice little outline. I could teach the college course if that's what we want. But I think we come to hear from God. Amen. And sometimes Amen. there's something in there and someone's got to hear something. Amen. So you've got to get away from the notes. Even though you prayed over the notes, sometimes there's, oh, there's someone. Amen. And everyone's got to choose you. Choose you this day. When I stand before them, I can't make an excuse. Well, you know, my, my daddy was a better Christian. That's why I wasn't. Well, God said, what about you, son? I gave you the ability to choose me. I gave you ample evidence to love me. I gave you plenty, plenty of time to say yes to me. Oh, I'm trying to talk to someone. I'm trying to call someone. Oh, Lord, maybe there's a couple of someones. I don't know. But you got to be man enough to make up your own choice. And say, as for me and me, I'm going to serve the Lord. Others might abandon me. Others might laugh at me. I'm going to serve Jesus. Amen? Amen. And if you'll serve the Lord, you'll never regret you did. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm going back to my notes now. You can breathe again. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. These were a group of people that were not just holding on in the face of persecution, but they were growing and they were advancing. And they were standing strong and they were remaining faithful. They were not shrinking back. And Paul applauds them. And their heavenly Father was pleased with them. And I'll say it again. There are many here today 
you've gone through some things and you've stayed steady. You've had to endure some things, but you didn't shrink back. And your Heavenly Father wants you to know He's well pleased. And He calls you, continue on. Keep on. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. You see, friend, this life of faith that you and I are walking, in this life our faith will be tested. It's biblical. Jesus said, um, 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 in this world, in this world you're going to have troubles. I'm going to have troubles. But He says, be of good cheer. He says, don't let it overwhelm you. Because Jesus said, I've overcome the world. And if I've overcome the world, so can you. If Jesus said you're going to make it, you're going to make it. But understand, troubles are part of this life. Troubles come that our faith may grow. One of the reasons God allows you and I, He allows us to be tested, is that our faith would grow. But you know, faith is like a muscle. And if you don't exercise a muscle, it shrinks. If you don't exercise a muscle, it'll never increase. And so one of the things the Bible teaches that God allows trials to come into my life, into your life, is that my faith won't stay where it is. It'll get stronger. You need resistance in order to develop that strength. And so listen, don't 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 start weeping and thinking God has forsaken you. He loves you. He'll never forsake you. But He will allow certain things into our lives so we can grow from it and get to know Him better and get to develop a more tenacious and healthy and powerful faith. So we recognize it's one way that our faith grows, but it's also one way that our faith is proven real. God allows trials to come to prove and to prune. To prove the genuine and to prune away the imposter. So one of the things your life is doing when you go through it and you're still singing and you're still praising, you're letting heaven and hell know this commitment to Jesus is real. I'm a genuine child of God. Can you say amen? Oh, yeah. One of the Pentecostal forefathers, Brother Wigglesworth, said, great faith is the product of great fights. If you want great faith, you've got to go through some fights. That's where it gets developed. That's where your strength and endurance increases. Great testimonies. They're only going to come out of great tests. You've got to go through it to have a testimony. If you want a testimony, you've got to go through some tests. And great triumphs only are the output of great trials. You've got to go through it to see God exalt you over it. Can you say amen? So let's remember... In times of trial, our faith, your faith, my faith is of greatest importance. That's why Jesus said, Peter, Peter, son, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Son, he wants to work you over. But Peter, I'm praying for you. And I'm praying that your faith doesn't fail. He didn't pray that God would take away the test. He didn't pray that God would somehow spare Peter from going through the fire. He said, no, son, I'm praying that in the midst of it all, Your faith won't fail you. Your faith will stand strong. Your faith will endure the trial. Your faith will overcome the fire. We remember in times of trial, our faith is of greatest importance. But listen, as you look to Jesus, as you look to the Lord, God will see you through. And God will keep you strong. And God, 
as you trust His promise and as you lean on His strength, as you refuse to stray from the path. Just remember, the battle's the Lord's battle. I know you feel weary and sometimes frustrated, but God says, listen, listen, the battle is my battle. And as we do the leaning, He'll do the lifting. And as we do the trusting, He'll do the fighting. And as we do the praying, He'll do the prevailing. Oh, my Lord, He'll do the performing. And I want you to know our God can perform it. Can you say amen? He'll move the mountain. He'll still the storm. He'll give you strength you never knew you had. He'll give you peace. And you'll look back and say, my Lord, that had to be you, God. Because I would have cracked up five years ago. I would have thrown up my hands and said, where's the bottle six years ago? But I went through it. Why? Because God said you didn't go through it alone. I've got a grace and I've got a peace. So you might be tested, but like the TV when you're a little kid and you woke up early, this is a test. This is only a test. The Russians aren't bombing us. It's a test. He got up too early. And God says, it's only a test. You're going to come through it. I'm with you as you walk in it. And I'm going to give you the grace and strength that you're going to come out the other side stronger than you've ever been. More full of Jesus than you've ever been. Somebody say amen. I'm just saying, Paul in the Bible, he writes to this church that they were going through it. They were losing their jobs because of their faith. They were getting kicked out of their families because of their faith. Some were being in prison because of their faith. But they didn't shrink back, and they didn't just hang on by the skin of their teeth. They actually grew, and Paul said, wow, I applaud you, and your heavenly Father is pleased with you. Oh, my Lord, my Lord. This is the encouragement of praise. Faith was growing. And we learn from this first point that our God sees and our God honors sincere faith. If we want to please the Lord, let's be men and women of a sincere faith. Because faith pleases the heart of God and faith brings us through the trials of life. Let me give you one quick scripture. First John 5 and 4. First John 5 and 4. Your faith. Your faith. Somebody say my faith. See, see, daddy's faith can't bring you through all the time. Grandma's faith, you know, can help you with prayer, but you've got to have a faith. Everyone born of God. Anybody here born of God? Amen. And oh, glory to God. This is for you then. Get ready. This is yours. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. Woo! Y'all raised your hands. That means you overcome the world. That means you can handle whatever life throws at you. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in that world. Everyone born of God overcome. How do we do it? How do we do it? Well, here we go. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Your faith in the Lord Jesus. Your faith in God's eternal word that cannot change. That is the faith that will enable you to go through whatever life throws at you and to go through it as a child of God, to go through it in a way where your heavenly Father is pleased in your life is a witness to the world around you. The God I serve is real and my commitment to Him is genuine. Oh, blessed be His name forevermore. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If your faith is growing weary, if your faith is wavering, don't be ashamed of it. It happens to everybody. But the Bible says, if we wait upon the Lord, He'll renew our strength. So if you're here today and you're going through it and you feel a little bit wavering, before you leave, come and make an altar. And wait on the Lord a bit. And let the Holy Spirit refresh you and renew you. Restoring your focus and renewing your strength. And getting you ready to go back out. Trusting God and believing God and going through. Can you say amen? amen. Number one, their faith was growing. But number two, their love was abounding. Oh my. Their love was abounding. Let's look at that together. Right there in verse 
Number three, we ought always thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more in the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Wow. Their love was abounding. Not only were they a faithful church, but they were a loving church. You know, sometimes, if we're honest, suffering, pressure, pressure, trials can make people selfish, but not so with this group. In fact, in Paul's previous letter, 1 Thessalonians, he prayed in the third chapter. He said, Lord, I pray that you'll make their love for each other increase and overflow. Paul knew how important it was if we're going to live this life, especially when the heat is on, to love one another. Not just love God, that's easy. Love one another, that can be challenging. But he knew how important it was and he prayed for that. And obviously, God answered the prayer. These believers had learned to love one another. Even in the most difficult times. Sometimes adversity causes us to become self-centered. Each man for himself. Instead, they continued on. Giving and loving. Standing with one another. Sometimes trials, sometimes discomfort, sometimes pain. Can cause us to focus only on our own needs. We revert back to self-preservation. We revert back to type. And we forget the needs of others. And Paul was thankful and he applauds the people because they hadn't done that. Instead, they continued to give and extend themselves for the good of each other. They were abounding in love. And again, it's the context that makes it so impressive and inspirational. You know, it's one thing to be generous when you're flowing in it, but when you don't have it, that's another story. It's a one thing to be patient and gracious to someone whenever you're on top of the world, but you know, when you're, when you're hurting or you're angry, oh, then we can get short, we can get critical. Can you say amen? I know I'm not the only one here now. And sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, we just have to dig down a little deeper and walk in the Spirit and say, Lord, your grace is sufficient to love my brother, to love my sister. And sometimes it's not always easy. D.L. Moody wrote, faith makes all things possible, but love makes all things easy. (laughs) William Barclay writes, the life of service, the life of giving to others, the life of loving others, opens up a great discovery. Here's the discovery that the unselfish, that unselfishness and happiness go hand in hand, not the other way. You see, the kingdom principles are different than the world's principles, aren't they? How Jesus taught us to enjoy blessing and satisfaction. A lot different than what you might see in, 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 the, in, in this world in which we live. It's of greatest importance not to neglect the sincerity and generosity of our love. The Bible tells us love must be sincere. But love's not always sincere. And like the story of that, that old wealthy old guy, he's worth a, he's worth a ton and, you know, he recently married someone about half his age. And after a while, he began to wonder, maybe, you know, maybe she's going to marry me for my money. And so finally, he built up the courage to ask her. And he said, honey, listen, if I lost my fortune, if it was all gone tomorrow, would you still love me? She looked sweetly and said, oh, honey, don't be silly. Of course, I would still love you. And I'd miss you a whole bunch, too. Amen. Uh, so, <laughs> Love's not always sincere. Come on, say Amen. 
People, people, you know, if I have not love, I mean, everything else I do is nothing. But so we can do a lot of things that look impressive and look good. But God says, are you walking in love? Are you walking in love? It's of great importance not to neglect the sincerity and the generosity of our love. And to keep our walk in the expression of our love one for another strong and flowing. For in that, our God is well pleased and the Spirit is welcomed. And the Spirit is at home. Let me give you some thoughts concerning the love of God, especially towards one another. Number one, I want you to remember that love is the priority commandment. Love is the priority commandment. You remember Jesus was asked one time, Master, Teacher, what is the greatest of the commandments? Remember that? What's the greatest of the commandments? And, and, and Jesus said, well, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your might, and all your strength. And that really without even taking a breath. And the second is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. Don't separate them. Don't divide them. They flow together. Jesus said, that'll sum it all up. If you can walk in those two, you can walk in everything God desires. So number one, we've got to record that love is the priority commandment. Love is the priority commandment. It's something that God says, I want you to make... You know, we make efforts. I want to see miracles. And I want to... God says, I want you to love your brother. I want... If you're going to have a desire, walk in that. The love of God. Not only that, the love is proof of our sonship. You know, in the natural, people have beauty marks, maybe a scar. Identifying marks. Identifying marks. Um, Businesses. They'll have their labels. Even if you can't read what it is, you just see the label. Isn't it Right? You know, when your kids are little, four, five, six, I'm telling you, you can be 30 miles down the road, they'll see them golden arches. Can I say amen? Ah, oh, my Lord. I'm going, McDonald's! There it is. Well, my, I can't even see it's in the next county. How do they see that? I guess we're going to McDonald's. All right. I mean, golden arches. Right? All you got to see is golden arches. You don't got to see McDonald's. You don't got to say supersize it. Uh, because there's a symbol that speaks. This is it. And Jesus said, the proof or the symbol of our sonship is not that I speak in tongues and we ought to speak in tongues. It's not that I give my tithe and we ought to give our tithe. But it's that I I, I love my brother. Let's look at that together. John 13. I want those two verses, Jimmy. Yeah, John 13. Hallelujah. A new command I give to you. This is Jesus talking. He said, love one another. Love one another. Like I say, it's easy to love God because... He, he can't talk to us if we don't want to listen to him. Um, it's easy to, you know, to love God because we've got to see him and we can avoid him if we want. But, but you live with people and you see people. A new command I give you. <laughs> Just keep looking at me. Don't look at one another, man. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna start up something now. A new command I give you. Love one another. Jesus, as I have loved you. Now, wow, he just put the bar up there. Did he not? I may be able to say, you know, love them like they love you. Hey, I'm in good shape. I can handle that. Love as Jesus loved. Woo. Oh, that's why I said, ouch. Help me, Lord. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. Now, here it is. This is our identifying feature. By this, all men. This is the mark. This is the distinguishing mark. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. We pray, Lord, help me to walk in love. Help me to walk in love. I mean, especially towards my brother. The, going out in the world is a different story, and there's different. But and out within the body of Christ, this is a proof of our sonship. How we love one another. 
we forgive one another and we support one another and we give some patience to one another and come on, say amen. Isn't that right? And you know, I mean, some people are easier to love than others. That's all right. We can say that. It's true. If not, we wouldn't need the grace of God. Isn't that right? Amen. You know it's true. Isn't that true? And then grandbabies ask for something. That wallet comes open real quick. And eh? twist no arm. That salesman comes. They ain't getting nothing out of me. I don't know, call the cops. You know what I mean? It's easy to love some people. Other people, you know, you love them, I'll say with a two by four, but you know what I mean. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they have a way to love. That's proof of love. It's proof. Love is the priority commandment. Let's go up to our PowerPoint. Love is the proof of our sonship. In love, this is very important. And I had to squeeze this into a line. Love is a very important part of faith working. And this is what I want you to hear. There's many times in the church, especially Pentecostal church, where's the power? We want faith to move mountains. No, a lot of times it's not a power shortage, it's a love shortage. Now, I'll prove it as we look at this Scripture. Because, you see, faith that moves mountains has to flow through love. That's how God ordained it. Faith that produces miracles works through love. That's how God ordained it. So when the love is small, faith can't flow. If faith can't flow, mountains don't move. Lives don't get changed. Let's look at this. I'm Galatians 5 and 6. Let's look at that together. The importance of love. Love is part. Love is part of our walk with God. The Bible says that faith worketh through love. That faith worketh through love. Oh, it's up there. My Lord, I can't see that. Anybody got a pair of binoculars? Ah, sure, my ball spot. I don't like that now. I'm going to read this to you. You just got to trust me on this if anyone can see it. Here, I got it now. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision matters anything. Not all the outward things that we put such a priority on. And I like to dress nice in church, but it's not a lot of things that we... All right? All right. In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision... Oh. You're playing, you're playing, you're playing a game with me, find the, the thing. But here it is, look at that. But faith working through, or faith expressing itself through what? Love. So if love's not there, faith has no channel to work. If love's not there, the power of God will be very limited in its ability to work with God as ordained. Faith Works through love. You never separate faith and love in this book. This is, these things are, these things go together. And sometimes, uh, uh, Lord, where's your power? God says, where's the love? You study the life of Jesus. He wept over cities. He had great compassion on lepers. He went to funerals and he messed them up as his heart went out to the widows. And, and the Jesus of the power, the Jesus of glory was a Jesus of love and compassion. And the Bible shows us a secret. That's because God says, my power flows through love. It's as we love one another. And in that, there's a greater faith. In that, there's a greater moving of my spirit. Because the channel in which my glory flows is a channel called love. Love one another. Let's go to the next one. This ain't driving me nuts. Amen. My eyes were bad enough when I started. Hallelujah. Keep going back. Yeah, let's go. Oh, okay. <laughs> Love is a priority commandment. Love is the proof of our sonship. Love is an important part 
of faith working. And love, and love. We got any Christians here? Love is a possession. You don't got to look for it. If Jesus is in there, love's in there. And sometimes we got to get on our face and get a fresh feeling. Love is the possession of the believer. So many times, it's not so much I can't love, it's I'm not willing to love. It's not that I don't have love, it's that I'm not ready to die to this old nature and release the love of God. See, Romans 5 and 5 says the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts, so it's there. When the Holy Spirit came in, love came in. Amen? In this wonderful scripture that we like to read, 2 Timothy 1 and 7, um, uh, God has not given us, remember, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but what has He given us? Power. And usually, if you're like me, I'll just be honest, power, I'm, I'm gone. There we go. Hallelujah. We got power. And I'm ready. Where's Goliath? Amen. Let's take the mountain on. And, 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 but I, I, too, I stopped there and I shouldn't because the next line says, God has given not only power, but love. God's given us love. You mean it's there? I, I, I can love you? By the Spirit of God, I can love you. But I've got to choose to love you. I've got to exercise. Here's the, here's the act of the will. I have to exercise what I have. You can have the tool that I need, but if you don't want to release it, I, you can have it, but you've got to choose to bless me with it. You can have a skill. You can have it, but if you don't... And so I learn about love because God is putting a high priority on love. And one of the ways God breathes life upon His people is as His people love one another because that's a welcoming and that's a wooing and that's inviting to the Holy Spirit. Certain things attract the presence of God. Certain things cause the presence of God to abide. You know, there's a difference between a visitation and a habitation. There's a difference between just coming and then just lifting. And one of the attributes, one of the traits that causes the Spirit of the Lord to come and not just one in a while, but to dwell and to move much more continually is there's a climate of love one for another. We have love is the possession of the believer. Glory be to God. Let's keep marching. Let's keep marching. Glory to God. What an what a impressive group of people this church was. And Paul, Paul's giving God praise for them. Paul is giving God praise for them. He's encouraging the believers. Things were hard. There were persecutions, pressures, problems. But Paul praised God for what he saw in their lives. A faith that was growing in spite of it. A love that was abounding even in the hardship of it. And number three, he says, I applaud you and heaven is glad and pleased with you because their perseverance was increasing. And you see that in verse number four, how Paul says, your perseverance is increasing. It's not wearing down. It's not sputtering, but but it's hanging on, it's holding on, it's becoming strong. We see verse 4, Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance. Again, the boast of heaven wasn't on their beautiful buildings. There's nothing wrong with a beautiful building. It, it, it wasn't on plush carpet. It wasn't on elaborate this or that. But he's the things of faith and of perseverance and of love. Their perseverance was increasing. Like that old, remember that old Timex commercial? Takes a licking, but it keeps on ticking. Amen. Yeah, that's the, that's these Christians. They took a licking, but they kept pressing with Jesus. They kept loving Jesus. Things weren't always easy, but they didn't give up on Jesus. The Christian experience is not without its challenges, and we can all say amen to that. 
Perseverance is the attitude that accepts trying times and trying circumstances without regressing, without retarding, without shrinking back from consistency and faithfulness and sincerity and progress in the Lord. In fact, their tenacious loyalty to Christ. Sometimes it's very easy to be loyal to Christ. Other times it's a challenge. But here, their tenacious loyalty to Christ in spite of the fierce adversity that they faced. That's what Paul, that's what heaven found so remarkable and impressive. They were doing just more than just a passive enduring. Just a putting up with it. But these words in the Greek speak of a heroic, determined response to the challenges of life. They didn't just sigh and moan about the challenge. They faced it head on and said, we're going to keep singing regardless of the storm. We're going to keep testifying regardless of what the world's going to do. We're going to keep loving the Lord even when resistance is against us. And they had a determined response to tenaciously hold on to Jesus and keep on serving and loving Him. They knew that the trial they faced would only last for a season. And if I could suggest there were three things that kept this group going. Three things that we need to apply in our lives to keep the faith, to keep marching, to have that persevering spirit in the midst of it all, that we won't wear down, but we will continue on. That we'll go through things, but we will not allow those things to overwhelm us. For we will fix our eyes on Jesus. We will put our trust in His goodness, His mercy, and His love, and we'll keep pressing on. Number one, I want you to notice they had an eternal perspective. These, this group, they had an eternal perspective. They knew this world was not their home. They're only passing through. They were looking for something better. They knew they were not going to die in the trial. They were going through the trial. Because they were looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Can you say amen? When you face something, it's important that you look forward. That you look ahead. You see, even as we have various funerals, we have to say as a Christian, Jesus gives us the ability to look beyond even the grave and see a glorious land, a better land, of no more sorrow, sickness, or shame. A place where there will be no more struggles and there will be be no more barrenness. There'll be no more buffeting. A place where there's joy and there's peace and the roses they never fade and the streets are paved with purest gold. And so we go through things here, but because we have an eternal perspective, it keeps us marching. It keeps us believing. I wouldn't give nothing for my journey now. And I move on into the things of God. And I would suggest that these people, number one, they had an eternal perspective. Number two, I would um, suggest to you that they understood they possessed an internal eternal power. They recognized it was no longer I that liveth, but Christ that lives in me. And you and I go through things and in ourselves we can get weary. In ourselves we can get grumbly. I come from grumbly 101. I understand grumbly. But I recognize when I go through something, I don't lean on my own flesh. I don't lean on my own strength. But I recognize the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. And He'll give me strength. And they recognize that. That's why they didn't give up. That's why when hell threw His life, we're going to beat you and defeat you. They knew you can't defeat us. But Jesus is our strength. And Jesus is the one that's bringing us through. If it was just me on my own, I'd say, yeah, you're probably right. But my endurance ain't that good. I run around the block once and I'm ready to call you know, EMT. But anyway, um, but they knew they had something within them, something from heaven itself, something of the Spirit of God that gave them the endurance they needed. I would suggest to you that this church, that Paul applauds and heaven applauds, they, they had an eternal perspective. Very important if you want to 
be a persevering Christian. If you want to endure to the end, if you want to finish your race, now have an eternal perspective. Don't sell out anything temporal. Don't give up. Keep pressing on. Keep that vision on Jesus. Amen? But then second, number two, recognize you have an internal, eternal possession. You have the Spirit of God in you. It's not your strength. You lean on Jesus' strength. It's not your ability. You lean on Jesus' ability. And I'll tell you the third thing I believe that made all the difference. They had an unwavering consecration. That's where the will comes in. They had an unwavering consecration. I have decided to follow Jesus. Have you made that decision? I have decided no turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. The whole world wants to shaft me. I, I will follow. Though things don't work out the way I wish they would have, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. That's an unwavering consecration. The church in Revelation loved their lives not even unto. And that's an act of my will. Let's look at this very quickly. Go ahead, Second Corinthians. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're winding down, so don't get nervous. Glory to God. These are some keys that I believe we see in this young church. And if God applauded them, I want to do the things that God applauds. Amen? Amen. If heaven was applauding this group, then Lord, I want to imitate what they're doing. That's why he put it in the book for me. And I look at them. How do they pray? They had a lot harder than us. Could you imagine right now if you, you could not join your union and get a job? If you didn't bow to all the wickedness going on, the, the, you know, the agendas, all that stuff, that's what they faced. Back in those days, if they didn't bow to Caesar, and they didn't bow to the local idol, the local, each, each, what, what, they, what they called unions back then, the guilds, each had their own little idol. You don't bow to that idol, you don't get the idol, you can't work. These people serve the Lord. We bow to no one but Jesus. It was costing them their jobs. Some of them, this is first generation. They didn't have grandma and great-grandma and 20 generations of people begging you to go to church. They were the first ones saved. Their family's kicking them out. Oh, you're not going to go to our idol feast anymore? You're ashamed of our family. Out. Wow. That's pressure. Getting thrown in jail for things made up about them. Wow. But these people grew in spite of these people kept loving each other in spite of it. They kept persevering. And I see something in perseverance. They had an eternal perspective. You see, what you focus on will fuel you. What you focus on will feed you. You can focus on the negative, it feeds the doubt. You can focus on faith or the word, it feeds your faith. So that's important where you're looking at. Jesus, for the joy set before him endured the cross. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. You see. So notice this. Therefore, Paul says, listen, we don't lose heart. And again, this church here in Corinth, they were going through similar things. We don't lose heart. We don't give up. We don't give in to discouragement and faint. Though outwardly, we might be wasting away outwardly. Things don't look that great. But you know what? Inwardly. Inwardly. They recognized they, they had a power from above. Inwardly. They recognized there was a strength, the Holy Spirit, that gave them the strength to do what they couldn't do in their own. Amen. Yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. 
Outwardly, you know what I mean, right? Baldness, bulges, bifocals, and bunions. Amen. But, but I mean, but, but I'm saying, but I'm saying in the spirit though. Amen. In the spirit. Hallelujah. In the spirit. Hey, in the spirit. I still got that 32 inch waist. In the spirit. Hey. Because now look, look, they got eternal perspective now. Here's the eternal perspective. You got to remind yourself you have an eternal power. You've got to remind, you possess. The same spirit raised Jesus. You possess it. You got to remember that. It's not your strength. And Jesus never wears out. We feel like I'm going to wear out. Can't take another day. I'm, gonna, I'm ready to, to take me to the top and just let me lean off, right? And Jim, I climbed that ladder. So I want to push it over. No, 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 no. That's in our natural man. We have to recognize, you know, we, we possess the same spirit. Amen. We possess that. Outward, outwardly, we might look like, you know, they shot me out of a cannon. You know what I mean? But inwardly. But now also I got a perspective. So that's what makes us different. How can you be so happy? Oh, I'm not looking at this mess. This world's not my home. Amen. I'm not. This is not my. This is not my. That's not my altar. You know. I'm looking. Our eternal perspective for our light and momentary troubles, in a comparison to eternity. Our light and momentary troubles are actually working for us. They're achieving for us an eternal glory. It weighs them all. Wow. Internal power. Eternal perspective. That's that next one. So we fix our eyes. Hallelujah. We fix our eyes. Let's make a choice. We'll fix our eyes. Amen. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Amen. Let's fix our eyes on that which is eternal and beautiful and wonderful and everlasting. For what is seen is temporary. Don't get, so, don't get caught up so much in what is seen. But what is unseen it, it, it is eternal. Is there another verse? Or is that it? That's it. Hallelujah. The last verse. The last point. Go ahead and give me my PowerPoint. And we'll close it down. What a beautiful group. What a beautiful group. Isn't God good to us? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Their perseverance was increasing. And their testimony was expanding. Isn't that neat? Paul says, I am so moved and inspired. I am so pleased. Heaven is so pleased by the life you're living, by the faith and the love that you're showing that I can't, I'm boasting about it. I'm telling other churches about it. Other people are being encouraged by your faith. Other people are hearing the good news and other people's hearts are being stirred and inspired. This is how you're, how you're walking with God. And their testimony was expanding. Lord, help us to live a life that our testimony inspires others and encourages others. Amen? Help us to live in such a way where others can see that and be encouraged in their walk with God. That's one of the ways we carry each other's burdens. We encourage one another. And we love one another. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't God good to us? Oh, folks, folks, let me, let me bring this down for you. I thank God for the many, many here that these words apply to. I really do. God bless you. God continue to give you strength. Gone through it, but you never lost your song. Went through things, but you didn't lose your way. You got knocked down, you got back up. You wept your tears, but then you praised the Lord through it all. And God's so pleased. I, I, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. So I want to thank God for the many here that these words apply to. And I pray for all of us. Because none of us has arrived yet. 
Lord, help us to continue, regardless of the circumstances we face in this world, to grow in our faith, to increase in our love, to expand in our perseverance. And Lord, may our testimonies to the world around us inspire others in their walk with God. Can you say amen? We're going to pray our final prayer, sing our final song, and open the altar. Listen, if you're here today, I need to ask you, is your heart right with God? You might never have said yes to Jesus. I am more than excited to invite you to come and receive Jesus into your life. To receive the love of God, and that's Jesus Christ. To give Him your life and let Him give you His life. Or maybe you're here today and things just aren't right and you need to return to the love of God. Maybe you once knew Him and you walked with Him. But things have happened and things happen in life and somehow you strayed from the path. Well, listen, hey, He's a God of new beginnings. He's a God whose mercies are new every morning. And you can come back and make a fresh altar, get a fresh start and respond and receive a fresh measure of that love and be encouraged and walk on. After I pray, people are going to come for prayer. Come on and make that altar. I need to ask you, how's your faith doing? If you're feeling a little weary in your battle of faith, I want to encourage you before you go, come and wait on the Lord. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You come to church, you get a fresh thing, Lord, I'm going through it. Lord, this week's going to be, oh boy. Lord, help me. Give me some new strength because I want to walk in the strength that your Spirit provides. Amen? If you're here today and you need a touch from God, come and let Him touch you. If you hunger for more of the Lord, if you just hear it, say, I'm doing good, Lord. I'm doing good, Pastor, but I just want more of Jesus. I want more of the Lord. Then come on down and let God fill you and let God do something fresh and supernatural in your life. Amen? Stand with me, please, as we pray and open these altars and believe God. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful to be the people of God? Amen. Isn't it wonderful to be the God's people? We pray, Father God, help us to be a people that you are pleased with. A people full of faith and love. A people that persevere and do not give up. I pray, O oh God, for those that are battling this morning. And I pray for those that are hungry for more of you. Lord, move mightily at this altar. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray you said if we hunger and thirst, you will fill. Oh God, fill afresh right now. Fill afresh in this service. Those that are thirsting for a new drink. Those that want more of you. Father God, fill people afresh and touch many with your power. Work miracles. Father, in the name of Jesus, work miracles in our midst this morning. As Your people draw near, as Your people cry out, fill them and touch them and work a fresh and powerful work within them. We thank You, Lord, for the privilege of being Your people. And I pray, O oh God, bless Your dear ones right now. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Let's worship the Lord. If you need prayer, if you just want to pray, come and receive and come and let God do something special. Hallelujah.